Let's Roll. This is Counter Charge, your podcast for ranks, flanks, and kings of war. as they delve into the world of Panathor and bring you worldwide coverage of all things Kings of War. Hello and welcome to Counter Charge, and uh, I am Duncan Rhodes. And I'm Mark Zelensky. And I am Jeremy Duvall. Welcome! Welcome! <laughs> well, you know, since, you, since you've quasi-retired, Mark, I've sort of uh, uh, taken on your role uh, of wel- welcoming our guests. But now, now that you're, you're, you're back on the episode, go for it. Uh, there you go. Welcome! So, But thank you for carrying that on, Jeremy. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. You're welcome. I try to uh, make sure your spirit, it's like the Titanic, your, your heart will go on. But I, I'm really excited. Uh, as, you, as you heard, we have uh, the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Duncan Rhodes on the show today. How are you doing, Duncan? Um, I'm very well, thank you. I'm very well. Just had a, a busy week, um, but now I can just chill out and talk about hobby stuff, and I've got a lovely hot cup of Earl Grey tea right here. So oh, I'm very nice. English and very happy. Marvelous. Awesome. <laughs> Yeah, we're really excited to have Duncan on. We're going to get caught up with all things Duncan Rhodes Painting Academy. Also, Duncan has a really exciting paint line coming out. Uh, and you guessed it, two thin coats. So we'll be talking about that too. So Mark and I are really excited to have uh, Duncan back on the episode. First, before we get into what's new with the Painting Academy and talk a little bit about uh, the new paint line, why don't we first see what's on the hobby table? Why don't you go first, Duncan? I'm curious, what do you got going on on the hobby table? And just in general, I'm curious, with everything <laughs> that you're, 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 you know, you're painting for the, the, the Paint Academy, do you mm. still have like personal hobby time or, or pretty much is all your hobby time spent doing tutorials? <laughs> Yeah, it, it doesn't feel like I get as much time as I used to. <laughs> it feels like it's been quite a long time since I've been able to paint a, uh, a full 28 mil army. The only army I've been able to do, I think uh, you'd call a you know a, a large army in the usual sense, has been this um, Flames of War army, and uh, it's a Africa Corps force. And I'll tell you, those figures are so fast and easy to paint. So I feel like I've actually done a force. Um, thankfully, that was the that that was a number of weeks ago though. Um, what I generally find myself doing these days is mostly doing small groups for skirmish games, really, you know, small scale stuff. And the figures I've been painting have been largely determined by testing the paints, which I guess we'll get into later. But whatever I do, it's like, right, can I paint these entirely with these paints just to put them through their paces and see how it all comes together? So it's been a, quite a strange blending of work and my own stuff, which I've normally kept very strictly separate. But these days, I don't really have the time luxury to allow them to be separate. Um, so the most recent thing I've been doing was some Napoleonic soldiers, um, which uh, I'm a massive nerd for Napoleonic stuff. Um, and I, I finally went to do a, a reenactment of it. The first time I've done it for, oh, what, two, two and a half years. Uh, I'm sure we all know why. And uh, it reminded me, yeah, I really love this. So I got out some British soldiers and started painting those using the paint. So that's been going well. I'm just experimenting with some new basing techniques with them too. The question is, was the reenactment over the hills and far away? <laughs> well, it wasn't sharp that got me in the end. Ah, I knew it. See, I knew you'd get it. I knew you would get it, my friend. That's right, George man. Commands yeah. we obey. <laughs> that's right. As you, as you walk away, you've got to stop, you know, pause and turn over your shoulder and reflect uh-huh. on the episode and then oh. carry on. <laughs> if you haven't uh, seen the Sean Bean sharps to the audience, 
The BBC <laughs> Sean Mean as Sharps is just absolutely amazing. It's cheesy in all the ways that you want something <laughs> yeah. like that to be cheesy. You know, the chosen men. I didn't That's choose right. you. <laughs> chosen men. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's just good, fun, relaxing TV. Yeah, the, oh, the British have yeah. been painting are very much themed on. They're not necessarily sharp and these guys or anything like that, but they are British in the Peninsular War, so fighting in Spain against the French. And, oh. uh, yeah, that sort of stuff is my jam. Um, yeah, if you know a few folks out there listening have never never watched Sharp, I I encourage you to put it on, whether it's during a painting session or not, because it's just good fun. <laughs> it's one of my go to like, hey, I need to get this unit done. I'm going to paint all day. Mm-hmm. Let me put something on that I've seen mm-hmm. so many times. I can kind of half pay attention. So Sharp's mm-hmm. is on, is on my list of 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 those things that uh, you know fits that role pretty well. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, it's classic TV, and it's a yeah. fun thing to watch for all the upcoming Hollywood celebrities because it was done in the mid '90s, wasn't it? So, oh yes, yeah, so yeah. Uh, uh, Pete Postlewaite has a, a yeah. It plays the uh, uh, was it Sergeant Sergeant Harker or one of the Sergeant Hakeswell, Hakeswell, crazy, yeah. yeah, crazy yeah. Sergeant Hakeswell, and um, uh-huh. uh, wasn't James Bond the last James Bond? What's his name? Yeah, um, Daniel Craig is a bad yes, guy. Yes, he's in it. Yeah. He's uh-huh. in it really briefly, but he's in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Paul Paul Bettany, I think, has a small part yes. in it in a little bit. Yeah, you see a lot of like English uh, uh, or UK actors in yeah. their early day in their early days. Yeah, before uh, they were super famous. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And I don't know. I just love <laughs> I love Sean Bean so much as an actor, but uh, especially as Sharp is such uh, such a great character. So yeah, uh, the one thing he can be in and not die. <laughs> exactly exactly so <laughs> um well while, we, while we're nerding out on napoleonics mark did you ever have you ever seen sharps or have you ever done any like uh historical war gaming around that period i have done tons of historical war gaming around that period but uh, i have not seen sharps where do you oh. find that on the internet oh. or on uh downloading tv is it Oh, dude, it'll be on streaming services. Treat yourself. It's probably, it's probably on Amazon. <laughs> probably. Yeah, find it. Um, yeah. All right. I'm adding it it's, to the list of things to watch. So Yes, it's well worth your time. Just mm-hmm. Good. Rip- I have rip- the, um, they have like a collector's edition that's in an ammo crate, and that's the one that I have. So if you can't find it anywhere, uh, Mark, let me know, and I will mail you my DVD discs, and you can watch them. <laughs> and then if you don't return them to me, I will, I will find you. And I like like frozen like I'm not fro- like uh, um uh taken. I have a particular right, yeah, set yeah, of skills, and if you lose my sharps tapes, I will find you and I will come <laughs> kill you. <laughs> I believe it, Jeremy. I yeah. believe it. Well, I mean, the good thing is, well, right now we're watching Agents of Shield. Okay. My wife and I. So uh, hopefully, I can slide this in somewhere along. See if I. She loves period pieces, so hopefully this will oh, jam. So she'll <laughs> like this. All the outfits and stuff. Yeah. So what are you working <laughs> on, hobby wise, Mark? Uh, right now, I'm working on my 500-point uh, Forge Fathers army for Firefight, so very excited about that. Uh, we're trying to pick out an army for Colin. He's got it narrowed down between GCPS, the Plague, and um, who was the other one that he was thinking about? Oh, the Enforcers. That's right. So he was taking a look at those. So we'll see what happens. Personally, I think he's going to end up with the Plague because he's such a big Undead fan. So I want to get the Warpath underway and rocking and rolling before june 1st because that's when we start our uh kings of war painting challenge and so i'm i'm going to use may to get through warpath so i'm hoping that my starter kit comes in the mail and i can get a hold of a rule book and start getting some games in so but i have my first test unit already done and painted i sent you a picture of that jeremy so i'm going to go with that uh, black and gray uh scheme for my forge fathers and uh 
we'll go from there. I am waiting on a metal old school Huskarl to arrive in the mail from Mantic. So he's going to be my leader. So I'm continuing to work on a couple projects. So uh, I kind of have it divided between uh, fantasy and sci-fi. Uh, otherwise I get like too crazy. I try to have like one project per genre going at any one time so I don't get overloaded. So continuing to work on the Twilight Kin, um, I am using, uh, as you guys have seen, I've talked about on the show previously, or on our live stream uh, Sunday night show, that we're now we're, we're pretty much going to be moving our live stream YouTube show from Sunday to Monday. Sunday night's sometimes hard. You got family stuff, and people really dig. You know, Monday's such a bummer <laughs> of a day. So at least your first day of the week, you know, you'll have a countercharge live stream to watch Monday night. But I've been working on, I'm using Incubi as my Twilight Kin Impalers. So I've been working on that. Um, I got my first unit, my test model done, my first unit put, put together. Um, I'm continuing to use my absolutely new favorite hobby material, material foam clay, working on my multi-bases. Um, I showed it on uh, the live stream this last week. For those who didn't watch that but listen to the show, foam clay is my, my new favorite material. Basically, it's kind of like silly putty. It feels like a little bit not as dense, lighter weight silly putty, and you can mold it and shape it, and it, when it dries, it dries like hard foam. So as I'm building up the uh, my multi-base scenery, I usually will build my mountains with uh, levels of cork, but it doesn't have those smooth gradient edges. So I've been using the foam clay to sort of help make those more natural looking slope slopes. Uh, so that's going good. Uh, just got the firefight stuff in uh, yesterday. Uh, I put the post to that, to the Facebook firefight fanatics group. So started looking at the books last night, but hadn't opened up any of the models, but in my twilight can, I have sort of a mixture of GW models. I have semantic models. I have also some 3d printed stuff. And when we have you on here, Duncan, I'm, I'm curious what you think uh, of, your, your history with GW, obviously, at working with GW, you're painting their models. You know, they're a model company, all those things. But now that you've sort of expanded to the paint academy, you're painting models from all different companies. What's your sort of take on, on, on 3D printed models? You know, we have that debate in the community, right? Like, do you, you have those futurists uh, who are in five years, 3D, you know, there won't be any miniature companies anymore. Everyone will be, paint, you know, printing their whole armies. And then you have people who are like... It's a, it's a hobby of itself. I don't even want to deal with it. But I'm just curious. What are your thoughts on 3D printing? So I was very skeptical of it early on. The earliest things I saw were pretty naff-looking, you know, these very early models a number of years ago and things. But uh, it's the same as when it was just printing documents and things. You know, early on, technology is very rough and ready, and it takes a while to get on top of things. But as things get better and better, you can see the miniatures getting better and better. And what really changed my, um, my point of view on it was when we were building up to the paint Kickstarter. We have some figures that came out with it, stretch goals. And our initial, um, so we got a guy to sculpt them. And the initial ones from which the metal uh, molds are made from are from 3D prints. And I couldn't believe how good they were. I would challenge anyone to be able to realize that they were a 3D print and not a resin cast when you first see it. Because you just can't see the lines of where it's been printed. It's stunning. Um, now, I know the gear to do that, the printer is extremely expensive and the chemicals in it are not nice, so you don't want it in your house. But the moment someone manages to make something like that um, convenient, easy, and affordable, then that's definitely going to shake things up. Now, I don't think that's ever going to fully overtake from being able to just buy a product off the shelf um, because, uh, you know, in a similar way, you could print a book or you could just buy it. Um, 
I think that's what people will still tend to do, especially when you're buying a product, because you guys know when you're getting a new box game or something. I mean, you're talking about you know receiving these new kits and you open up for the first time, you got the book in there and you got all the cool artwork and you got the dice and you got all the templates and all this stuff is fun and part of the experience of it. Even the smell of opening the box for the first time is a big thing that a lot of people like. So I think there's always going to be a place for that. I also think that um, it's a case of being careful what you wish for because people on mass get into these sorts of games from account encountering it in town. Uh, most people encounter war games the first time because they walk past a games workshop store and it catches their attention. If everything went to 3D printing and that disappeared, then the question is how do people get into the hobby then? Um, and I think you'd see a definite decline in the amount of new blood coming into it. So I don't think it will ever fully overtake. And honestly, I don't think it's really a good idea to want it to fully overtake. But it is really cool for getting all sorts of interesting niche things and unusual bits and pieces and add-ons and stuff like that. For that sort of thing, I love it. And um, I've, I've got a friend who's got a 3D printer. He's just bought a new one. And he's been printing all sorts of interesting bits and pieces for our games. So um, I can really see the appeal with that kind of thing. Um, so, so yeah, I, I think when it becomes, as I say, easy, affordable, and um, convenient that's when you'll see a big shift but i don't think you'll see that until those things are met yeah and i think that you know maybe if they if it does start to be become more accessible i know that some stores in the u.s have printing you know so mm. at your local game store mm. you know you can buy some models and if there's a, a cool 3d print model they'll print it and sell it for you because i know from what i've seen my buddies who are into 3d printing they're into it because it's almost a hobby into of itself right yes it is yeah you, know? you don't just pick it up and do it no, because you got a every every batch of resin you get is slightly different. You mm. you know whether or not you're doing STLs that are pre-supported or not supported, whether you're doing mm. MDF printing or resin printing, you know it's really much its own thing. So I sort of see it going as, you know, in maybe in five years every gaming group will have the resin guy, you know, mm -hmm. like the one guy in your gaming group who does the 3D printing. But like you said, the local your friendly local neighborhood gaming store is still the heartbeat of the community. So yeah. I think you bring up an interesting point thinking about, you know, we talk about it here, pay, pay where you play mm -hmm. that if mm -hmm. those businesses yeah. go away, you can 3d print these amazing armies, but where are you going to play and how are you going to meet new people to play? And it's like, okay, your shelves at home look cool, but are you getting in that, that Wednesday night game every week at the yeah. store or whatever? Yeah. I completely agree. There's a, a store local to me and I always try to, um, you know, when I'm in there playing a game, I always try to buy something because, you know, it's good to support it and, and build that local community because it, as you say, it is the lifeblood of it. Yeah. And, you know, Mark and I have been getting a lot. We mentioned here, Mantic's come out with their second edition of Firefight. Mm -hmm. That's sort of their take on the uh, sci-fi squad-based skirmish game. And I'm wondering what you think, you know, coming from GW and now one of the things I love about the painting Academy is that you paint models from all sorts of different stuff. I wonder, you know, the hobby feels to me like so such a rich, almost like golden time to be into miniature wargaming. When you see companies sort of release game systems that are within sort of the genre of, I mean, it's pretty obvious GW is the big boy on the block. Um, when you see someone introduce like a game system that's that's different, you know, but within, I guess, maybe like a genre GW has a game in. Do you think that diversity is good for the hobby? Do you go, oh, uh oh, I mean, you have to, to compete against the big boy. But I think that there's lots there's space within the hobby for multiple game systems within similar genres. Um, what, what do you think? Do you have any thoughts on that? Um, yeah, I agree with you. I think um, having 
this diversity of different things that you can play is a, actually a really important thing because what that does is encourages innovation on things. So over you know, during my involvement in wargaming, I've seen the change in general rule set styles going from the I go you go system, you know, where one where you do your entire army's movement and shooting and everything, and your opponent would do the same thing. Things have gradually started changing. I think I noticed it first with the Lord of the Rings game, where they had the priority system where you rolled to see who does their action first. And then it started changing to individual units and sometimes miniatures and things, which gets both players involved in the game. And it's it's kind of following the what sells then, you know, what players like, they'll gravitate towards that kind of thing, they'll talk about thing, they'll be excited about that sort of thing. And so then other games start looking at that and using that to push theirs further. And so you can actually go through a whole load of these games and go, these are really interesting rule sets, really interesting systems and things, and then go back to an older one, like uh, like you might go back to 40K, for example. And uh, that still is the old I go, you go system. And you're like, oh, I've got to wait ages for my opponent to have a go now. Um, you can see how it's um, a progression thing. And I think as well, judging by what I've seen people talking about with Games Workshop and um, feeding back to the current 40K, I think you'll see 40K changing to be in line with that sort of stuff. And so it encourages better quality products for people to enjoy. Um, yeah. If you just have one thing, only one game available that people are playing, then there really is no encouragement for innovation because there's no competition. Competition is what makes things better for everybody. So I think it's really good. I agree with you. It's definitely a golden era to be into this stuff. There's um, different flavors for every taste. Um, there's you know these unique universes though where the company's making its own thing, or there's the IPs based off things that you know and like already, um, and they all have their own little nuances about them that celebrate what makes that particular thing unique. Um, so I'm all for it. The more the, more the merrier, I think. Um, the only trick is finding people who play the same games you can have a game. I, you bring up an interesting point because I think uh, uh, one of the things I see, I grew up, I was born in 1980. So the first box of miniatures I ever had was Space Dwarves, was like one of the, the early mm-hmm. squat box in like 1988. <laughs> so I've been with like the hobby for a long time. And I think you see that uh, one of the reasons why I'm interested in the new edition of Firefight is you, you mentioned it, the, that concept of alternating activations, which I think is very much a more modern evolution of that style of game. Uh, yes. Not yes, just absolutely. being like, you know, you go first and you shoot off half my army. It's mm-hmm. it's that feeling of of going back and forth, of being engaged in the game. So I would not be surprised that that alternating activations or that sort of style gets into 40k here pretty soon Mm -hmm. Uh, because you look at pretty much a lot of other that style game and that seems to be one of those modern things that people like that's evolved out of these other game systems yes yeah it seems to be becoming more commonplace um i would predict the next edition of 40k is going to have that involved in it so we'll see on that but uh (laughs) but that's my prediction we'll find out in a few years i suppose Uh, but i I think it's a good way of doing things because it Someone else at some point is going to innovate some new idea based on this, uh, what's happening now as far as rules go. And what works will stick, what doesn't work will go. And over time, it'll hone and you know it'll keep things fresh and interesting for everybody. Um, yeah. I think it's similar when it comes to sculpting too. Uh, too. Um, I think these days you have a lot of choice when it comes to things because digital sculpting has really leveled the playing field, I think, across lots of companies because um, getting a good digital sculpt is in many ways easier than it is doing it as a physical sculpt because um, if you make a mistake, you can just undo, right? <laughs> you just go back yeah. you can adjust as much as you want to. Doing a physical sculpt is not quite the same. Um, so there's lots of um, these 
digital sculpts you see these days being then turned into the miniature that you see as a physical product. And I would say Games Workshop's only really ahead in terms of how packed they can make the frame. And they're, they're very clever at cutting up the miniature to get hollow interior pieces and things like that. But I don't think when it comes to the actual, um, you know, the, the quality of, of the thing, of the, uh, the appearance of the thing, um, I don't think Games Workshop is as far ahead as they used to be um, these days which is good for them because it will encourage them to try harder. So, you know, it's um, everyone wins out of a situation like this. Yeah, I used to feel like, um, you know, back in the, the you know, the 90s or we had other games, you know, that would kind of come and went and, and GW is always there. You had GW is number one in quality. Mm-hmm. And then let's say you'd have to go 50% down, down the trough to find all the other second and third place guys. Mm-hmm. And I think that that space between uh their quality of miniature and then let's say the quality of the next person that that mm-hmm. is that that gap is very small and in some cases yeah. it's non-existent yeah. right yeah it's very true it's very true and yeah. um, take a look at some of the the stuff for star wars legion some of the plastic kits that they put out the the miniature looks exactly like the actor of that character and um it's cut in such a way that you get multiple poses so you can choose how you want your character to look like anakin for example um, and that model really is only held by the fact that it's, um, a, you know, a, a miniature of Hayden Christensen. Um, whereas if it's a, a made-up thing, you can't do whatever you want with it. But as far as the precision of the engineering of that goes, I think it's on a par with what a Games Workshop thing would be. This is great, you see, because everything's going to get up to that point, which means more options for all of us and uh, more cool miniatures to paint. Yeah, and what's interesting about 3D printing I've found is it's it's a design that's not being created so that it can fit in a hips hard plastic mold mm-hmm. for sprues. Mm-hmm. It's being designed with the idea that it's going to be printed, right, probably. Yeah. yeah. So I think in 3D printed models, I love them for heroes and stuff, but I worry about doing a full army because usually they're like so crazy detailed, right? Yes. You know, that for a, a boss, moth, um, uh, you know, for like a monster or a hero, they're amazing. But if I'm doing like a 80 model army and every single model has floating candles and dragon eggs and all this mm. crazy stuff on it, it's going to yeah. take me eight years to, to paint. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. And uh, I think a lot of digital sculptors are adjusting to this now because um, early on you just um, – so if you get the, um, the hero scale miniature – and you blow it up to full size, it looks super weird, doesn't it? Everything's out of proportion. The hands are enormous. It's just really strange. But as a small miniature, it makes sense because it's scaled down, so you want to emphasize certain things to bring out the character of that model. Um, now, when you look at that same thing on a, um, on a computer screen as a digital sculpt, again, it's going to look weird. So people were then sculpting the miniatures to look one-to-one realistic, and then when it's printed, suddenly everything's extremely fragile. And I've seen this with... Um, well, actually, Napoleonic fingers, fun, uh, funnily enough, because things like the muskets then are incredibly fragile. Um, so you can see that the sculptors are adjusting to make the miniatures appropriate to the scale that they'll be printed at, um, which makes them more suitable to a wargaming thing. So that's only going to get better as time goes on, too. Because we joke on the show, you know, I'm 41, and I'm a slow painter as it is. So it's <laughs> like we joke, like, I only have, like, I, I got, like, my 10 years left of, like, where I can still see before I lose my vision. So, so it's like I really got to be smart about what armies I pick because I got maybe three or four more left in me before I'm an old, old geezer. So, oh. uh, 
Hey, don't give up, Jeremy. I'm already there. So, uh, yeah, you know, well. I'm, uh, I'm already <laughs> dealing with the eyesight thing. They have magnifying glasses and stuff you can use. So well, I'm ready to join your, your, your club, Mark, of, of only uh, doing 500-point armies. So I'm ready. You got to uh, initiate <laughs> well, me once I – it's like instead of joining the AARP when you turn 50, it's all join, join the Mark Zielinski 500-point only army club. So. There you go. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the 3D prints will be pre-colored at that stage. Oh, well, then there you go. Well, thankfully, mm -hmm. my beautiful wife is 10 years younger than me, and sh I'm getting her into painting. So Excellent. I'm like, oh, I'm like, honey, paint. This will relax you. It helps centers your mind. It's great for mental health. <laughs> While inside my head is like, I get double the armies. <laughs> That's right. Dance, my puppets. Dance. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like, I, I was like, oh, you want your own, you want your own wet palette? Oh, we're going to get it for you. You want your own, uh, oh, oh, your own paint? your own whatever you need baby we'll get well uh, i'll get it for you whatever you want oh oh gets let's get rid of these synthetics let, let me show you sable authentic you know uh, uh, yes, let me get you quality. let me get you the, the real deal you know she's like wow you're really supportive of me painting that you're such a great husband <laughs> well i'm looking forward to when they can um do the 3d scans and then print uh i i know i've seen some technology mm. like that and the uh at home uh, printing of colored miniatures will also mm. be very interesting. Uh, what Navin and I talked about that like five years ago on the show. So, mm. Mm. Uh, yeah, someday it'll happen. But It will, it will. And there'll still be a place for painting because people enjoy the process of it. So they'll want to paint their own figures, but then some people won't. So, you know, it's just it's more options for people. Um, yeah, but um, I have seen naysayers about it. Of, you know, it's going to bring an end to um, miniature painting because people will just print miniatures and they won't buy anything anymore and stuff i don't think that's really ever going to fully take over but if that does it's also true for just about everything so lego for example start 3d printing all your lego bricks you don't need to buy them anymore <laughs> it starts to apply to all sorts of things like hobbies but then beyond that as well um so if it does become good enough that you can literally print anything and so you don't have to buy anything more because you just need the resin then well there's it's a but every industry who makes a product is going to be addressing this at this point so um yeah so i don't think it's ever going to end up like star trek where you just have a machine that makes anything you want whenever you want mark we're big fans and i we just recently saw the um the youtube video that you did with miniac talking about like painting and mental health Oh, and I know with, uh, with treats on the table. Yeah. Yeah. Uh huh. It was a really great video because we've talked about it on a lot show. You know, I'm, I work in a, a mental health related field in my day job. And I know personally have dealt with like depression issues. And, and to me, uh, miniature gaming has sort of helped me combat those issues in like two main ways. It's like, mm -hmm. I think all of us as humans, we long to belong. And having a community and a sense of fellowship, whether that's in a hobby or in church or however you want to define it, is really mm -hmm. important. So like miniature gaming has, on the one hand, given me that sort of sense of fellowship and community. Mm -hmm. And then the actual aspect of painting as far as sort of like a Zen meditation process, which is you're so hyper-focused on something mm -hmm. so small, it lets all these stresses just fade away so i really think it is uh, uh, a great to be in for the gaming aspect but i think the hobby itself can really enrich your life oh yeah 100 percent agree absolutely yeah my favorite part of the video was talking about you know how many projects can you have at one time i am known for my hobby add so the one thing i took away from the video is two things two 
two things. So it's, I am yeah, trying. That's very wise advice. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to do <laughs> Kings of War and Warpath, and the rest of it I'm setting to the side for right now. So I'm, I'm really <laughs> trying to focus on two. That was the biggest thing, but that was a really good video, and uh, we'll have to link to it in the show notes or something. It was a really good discussion, and I encourage people to go back and uh, mm -hmm. check that out. Yeah, it was. Um, I was actually pretty excited about it because I'd never spoken to Miniac before, so it was nice to be able to talk to him. And the conversation, I think, went in directions that none of us expected it to go in. And uh, it became very reflective, I think. And we have had feedback afterwards, people who really enjoyed it, because they were like, oh, Duncan also has days where he's not in the mood to do this stuff. or you know, And it's like, well, yeah, because we're all human. Um, so it's, it, it's then nice because um, it's how do you deal with these things? And everyone's going to be able to identify with that thing because everyone will go through the same thing at some point. Um, it, it was really interesting. It was really fun. I really enjoyed it. And um, and Scott's a lovely guy to chat to, and so is Chase as well. They were, um, it, it was it was really um, eye-opening, I think. How did you get roped into that? Oh, uh, Chase just sent me a message. Um, he, he's, uh, so I've been on his podcast before. So he does um, A Song of Ice and Fire is the main game that he does on his show. But he has a few others now and then and things. But uh, he'd been bouncing this idea around his head a few times, and he asked if I'd be interested in doing it. So this was like maybe a year and a half ago, and I was like, yeah, sure, just let me know. And um, he managed to coordinate it. Um, I didn't know Miniac was going to be on it till the last minute, and uh, you know, when it all fell in, it's like, oh, we'll see what happens. I was a bit worried that it might be a strange show, <laughs> and he was as well. Um, but, yeah, judging by what people say, um, people really like it. So, it, yeah, it just kind of happened. Um I just got asked, so it's always the best way to. If anyone out there is asking, wants to see, you know, wants some advice on something, all you need to do is ask. Yeah, and I think it's something that we've noticed in our show and talking with our audience is that a lot more people than you would think maybe are waiting for that opportunity, or they're 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 a little bit more guarded, or a little bit more internal with their mental health or stuff like that. And I think some people turn to miniature painting for relief in that area without even realizing that it's giving them relief until they think about mm -hmm. it. Right. They just, mm -hmm. Oh, whenever I do it, I just feel good. And mm -hmm. um, so I think it's just in bringing uh, uh, awareness to mental health issues and stuff like that. I think it's good just to, to be able to conceptualize the hobby as a, a great avenue for, you know, you have your physical health on one end and then you have your internal health on the other, which the, especially during COVID when all this past couple of years, when you've been stuck at home anyway, that it's a good mm. avenue to try mm. to process some of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, everyone needs something to help them get away from the real world for a bit. Um, so if, you, if you're creative and you like, you know, you like hobbies, you like painting, you like um, small scale stuff, you know, the little attention to detail, the miniature gaming is an ideal thing to do. So. Well, that sounds good. Yeah, it was really, really an enjoyable show again, and uh, people should definitely check it out. And, uh, you know, that's what After Dark's for too, right, Jeremy? Uh, having yes. people painting together in a community, and it helps us all keep a level head. <laughs> Absolutely. So, well, while we go ahead and slide into a commercial break, we'll come back on the other side, and we're going to be talking about Duncan's new paint range and the Duncan Rhodes Painting Academy. Hey, this is Ash Barker from GMG, and you are listening to Countercharge. This is Paige from Singapore with the YouTube Battle Report channel Newbie Dice, and you're listening to Tanshen Fan Ti. And we are back. So before we uh, do a deep dive into the Two Thin Coats paint line, um, I just want to touch base, uh, see how the Paint Academy is going. I know that on the Paint Academy, you have some sections, like you have a sci-fi section, you have a fantasy section. So our audience would be upset if we didn't ask. I'm curious 
uh, are we gonna uh, maybe see some uh, mantic stuff on there soon and and just in general like when you're figuring out what models you do is it still sort of based on just what people are are curious about or are how are you you deciding what game systems or models you're you're throwing up there on the academy um well it's uh as as everyone knows warhammer's the dominant thing in this uh, in this arena so we know that most of the members want to see us doing warhammer things and you can see in the viewing figures it's they far and above everything else i think our top 50 videos are all warhammer things um so yeah you know you give the people what they want right so, <laughs> um, so that's what we do um, but we have a forum on the website now where we encourage members to post what they'd like to see and that's mainly where we draw um from because we don't just want to be doing the latest games workshop thing because it'd be boring right so we want to mix stuff and show people the whole world of different things that are out there um so that's what we we look for um now there are a number of games where we very early on we started doing those things so for example elder scrolls um there's fallout there was ice and fire um and we know that we ended up getting a number of members join us because we did those videos so they remain a thing that we keep going because we know that we've got a number of members who want to see those things. But um, yes, yeah, depending on what people, what members ask us for, essentially. So if they want to see some Kings of War stuff, uh, throw it on the forum, send us an email, we'll see what we can do. Uh, what we're trying to do at the moment is rather than just doing miniature, um, focusing on a single model and following it all the way through, um, we're trying to have more technique stuff, um, some more theory stuff, more... Um, how you do a particular thing why do you choose a particular order of the colors for a miniature uh, it, that sort of thing and we're also trying to provide ways of painting a face for example where we do this is a really quick way of doing it that takes you no time at all this is one that's a normal tabletop quality one which is what you see most of the time in photographs and things and magazines or whatever and then we have a high-end one this is essentially how you do it and those are always fun because um, the high-end thing isn't really more difficult to do than the medium thing. Um, it just takes a lot longer because everything's done manually. Uh, so, um, but yeah, that's, that's basically how we choose stuff based on what, what, what the members ask us. We keep an eye out for it. Yeah, I think that's interesting because often um, I know when I'm looking for paint tutorials, I if I'm like, oh, um, I want to review like glazing or I want to review like how to do this sort of blending or whatever sometimes it can be hard to find a video you know or sometimes mm -hmm. i go oh i know i know that there's purple on this model so mm -hmm. let me try to find a painting tutorial for that model even though that's not the model i'm painting but i know mm -hmm. there's an element on that model which is what similar to what i'm trying to do so mm -hmm. i think that doing some stuff around technique is a, is a good idea mm. it's um we, we definitely had really good feedback on it and it's um it's actually fun doing those videos because they're always so different to our regular miniature ones so they mix things up and roger and i end up having quite an intense day of shooting it because we're discussing how to best show what we're about to do um and it's always hard work but it's really satisfying at the end of the day once you once you see it all put together and you're like yeah that shows that thing um but you, yeah i picked up on definitely that you can use the tutorial showing different things you can always take those different effects and apply them to all kinds of different things. Um, so, I mean, a thing that always pops out to my mind when it comes to Kings of War, the uh, Northern Alliance, the um, uh, the Klansmen miniatures, they're very similar to the um, Free Folk Raiders, which did for Ice and Fire. So if you want to paint those, you can simply paint take the exact same steps that we use on the uh, Ice and Fire miniature and apply them to the Klansmen, and it will, it will all work. It's just the models are slightly different shape. That's all. Yeah, there's a great... Uh, uh... Uh, Wapple paint video where he paints Mantic ice elementals with oil mm -hmm. paint. Mm 
So it's the same wow. type of thing where you can, um, you don't always necessarily need to find the paint tutorial of the mm -hmm. model you're painting. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you know, you just need to find something that has a technique or, you know, uh, that could have something that could, that could be uh, useful to whatever, mm -hmm. whatever you're doing. Duncan, well, mm. you passed 100,000 viewers back in, what, July 2020, and now you're up to, what, 236, something like that? That was a <laughs> great 8 million views. Congratulations. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. Um, it's mad. I, I, yeah. <laughs> it's and that's just the free stuff. That's on YouTube. That yeah, yeah, yeah. On the, on the Academy, so. On the Academy, we've got over 200 videos now of all sorts of different lengths. Some of them are pretty quick. Most of them tend to clock in between half an hour to 45 minutes. Some of them go over an hour. And uh, it, it it's hard to get my head around it, frankly. It always has been through all this YouTube stuff ever since it started with Games Workshop. Um, but I'm just, I'm just glad people like the videos and that they get something out of it and that they can have a better job painting the miniatures. That's the only reason I do this stuff. Um, so I guess we must be doing something right, I hope. <laughs> well, the numbers seem to indicate you're doing something right, yeah. which is fantastic. So there you go. <laughs> I always wanted to ask, how'd you come up with Sir Coates? Oh, we wanted a mascot. Um, so what happened was, um, so a friend of ours was doing, um, starting his own range of miniatures and things. And he's a, we knew him at Games Workshop and he was an artist, a very, he's a very talented artist. So we were like, uh, well, how about we do a video on one of your miniatures and uh, you know, put on a platform, show everyone how cool it is. Uh, in return, could you do us some stuff? And um, he designed the, the, gave him the ideas and things, and he visualized, you know, drew it and brought it all to life. And so, Circos came from that. Um, the name was a, just a pun that I came out with when Roger and I try and work out what to call him. Um, it's meant to be you know, based on a surcoat, but also thin coats, and so that's why. But we just liked the character of it. So that then led quite nicely into getting a miniature made, which then started evolving into getting other characters based around him and things. Um, and it's all just kind of grown from there. But it's all meant to be fun, characterful stuff. So, you know, just feel good, enjoy yourself, that kind of thing. Um, if you think of, you know, the old He-Man cartoons, uh, you know, moral of the story at the end of the episode and stuff. Uh, we envision the Surcoats thing as like that. Um so, yeah, fun, identifiable characters is the direction in which that's going to go. Oh, fantastic. So um, I wanted to ask a little bit about what the future of the Academy is going to hold, too. Are we going to see, like, hangout and paint-style shows on the Academy? I haven't seen those mm. yet, so mm. I always enjoyed those on Twitch. And things, so. <laughs> those are always really good fun. Um, so we, we're always looking at the possibility of um, other things. So at the moment, one thing we did introduce was that we do contests every uh, every month. We have a theme. So the current one is Creature. The last one was Sorcerer. And um, uh, the winner, I had a chat with them. So I've actually got that later today. We hang out for an hour and talk about you know anything they want to. And this leads in the direction of, well, could we do a, a hangout thing, like answering questions from the audience? And we're thinking about trying that every month. It's a matter of getting the gear to do it and find the time to learn it all in amongst everything else that we're committed to doing. So it's always a battle against time and what we're doing. But, yeah, we're looking in that sort of direction. Um, as for private classes, we were going to, before the lockdown happened, one of the things we were planning to do was, um, like I do at Adepticon, those uh, in-person painting sessions. We'd spend a day painting a thing or you know, something like that. Um, we, were, we were planning it, but that all got put on the wayside when the lockdowns happened. And uh, we need to pick it back up, really. But, uh, yeah, that's a thing we're, we're always wanting to try and make more of a community feel about things and have more ways of interacting with us because... Uh, 
our members literally are our lifeblood. So we want to make sure that you know they get the best and all, all these cool things. So yeah, we've got a few other ideas on the on the way that we want to experiment with too, and uh, some other subjects we want to try with videos. Um, as I mentioned, we're doing more technique stuff, but we are going to do some quite detailed. Uh, a thing we think is missing on the website in general is a if you're new to miniature painting, you know that before this is the basics of what to do. So a 101 sort of thing. So you'll see that turn up at some point and then built on top of that, we'll have more advanced things going further. So you can sort of follow the progressive progression of it and um, go from beginner through to advanced. That sort of thing is what we want to introduce. Oh, very cool. Now you mentioned before uh, earlier in the show about painting a whole army and things like mm. that, you know, and doing that. Do you, you think you might do a whole start to finish type of army type of series or videos, or is that just That's... too much time investment? <laughs> um, if we can fit it, yeah, we've got to make sure that we get um, the time we put into it, we get the content out of it for, for you know, for the members. So um, we were thinking of doing how could you paint an army in a weekend as a video idea. Um, so getting a you know one of those little starter battle force kind of forces and doing that, um, we did think about video blogging one of my projects over and working our way through. But again, we're not quite worked out exactly how, what form we'd like to take that in. But it's definitely something um, because whilst the majority of our videos are aimed at um, tabletop standard painting, um, we want to make sure we account we you know cover all the different sorts of ways you can approach these things. So. Army painting does encourage a certain way of thinking of how do you do this efficiently. And so I think that'd make great content. So watch this space. That'd be great. Jeremy, maybe we can do a CCKOW, AWS, right? Uh, yeah. So we used to do a CCKOW, AWS, which is the Countercharged Kings of War. Uh, Army Weekend Spectacular, Spectacular <laughs> which is that, that the very thing of where we would host like a Discord or uh, Google um, back in the day of Hangouts, where we would mm -hmm. get together for a weekend. And the idea was to try to paint a thousand point army in a weekend. And it was just fun. And that sort of morphed into now we have a count, we call it Countercharge After Dark, uh, Mark mentioned. <laughs> so Countercharge has a, a, a where, the, a, a, where the, the brush tips are always wet. Um, mm -hmm. that's like our, our PG 13 tagline for countercharge after dark. But the idea is it's like a discord channel and people get on and we have every single night we have between five and 15 people on painting, uh, mm -hmm. and just chatting on discord, sharing pictures of models. We found again, just community wise. It's a lot of people just love just logging into countercharge after dark. They'll paint. Some people just log on and play video games and just chit chit chat, just mm -hmm. like a fun way to create a community. But Hmm. Yeah, we've had a lot of fun doing those those uh, paint an army in a weekend challenge. Well, that sounds like fun and a nice communal feel to it, too. Exactly. Absolutely. Are you going to bring the Academy to Adepticon or uh, compete with Nick or in GW, or is that just us? It'd be nice to. It, it would really be nice to. We've, it, we, um, yeah, we just not uh, looked much into it just because the travel's all been crazy and we didn't know especially early this year we just didn't know what was going to happen um so um soon you know, when it's when it's possible and we can do it again and it looks like things are definitely going back to normal um then it's definite possibility fantastic so if someone was interested in the academy how would they sign up i mean uh what are the perks and can you take us through that uh, sure. So you head over to DuncanRoads.com, and I'll never get over my name being the address for a thing. But anyway, um, you go to the website, and the sign-up options are on there. It's uh, £3.99 a month, and for that, you get full access to the website. So there's no tiers or anything like that. And on the website, as I mentioned, there are currently over 200 painting tutorials that cover a huge breadth of different subjects, techniques, and things. Some of them focused on um, 
uh, high-end techniques and like, particular features, particular ways of doing things, other ones on miniatures. We certainly do specialize on very large miniatures, so a single, like a big demon or whatever, showing how to go through the whole process of painting it. Um, you also get access to our forum, and on there's a nice community of all like giving nice feedback with each other and chatting and giving ideas and things. Uh, we also do our monthly challenge where you can join in and you can win pin badges and things. Um, and you also get access to our gallery of the miniatures, so every model that we do, a video one, we have a really high-definition image of it on the front and back, so you can clearly see you know, what we painted what, so you can use that as reference alongside painting the, the actual miniature itself. Um, so yeah, so if you want to learn to paint miniatures, you want to improve your skills and get some new ideas, um, then it's, uh, it's perfect for you. It's all designed to help you get better at your hobby. Awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. I know we're excited to see the Painting Academy going so well. You know, I really loved, if you haven't seen it yet, you, ha you did a recent video on uh, how to paint a gaunt like a xenomorph. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, <laughs> which watching, I kept going, uh, game over, man. So, <laughs> <laughs> man. Yeah, uh, I really like that. So so make sure you, you, you guys, if you haven't checked out the uh, Painting Academy, I think most of our audience probably has seen you at, at some point. Uh, as your your ascendance to minor internet so our, our medium internet so me and mark joke that on countercharge we're very very minor internet celebrities but i think you're you've reached the medium to a slightly above medium internet celebrity status so you're above us but um uh what i'm really excited to talk to you about today is um as we sort of enter into the second half and then the show is the two thin coats paint line oh, so yes. i'm curious um you know, I'm I very much have Pokemon fever when it comes to paint lines. You know, I got <laughs> Army Painter, I got Scale seventy five, I got Citadel, I got Reaper. Uh, you name it, I probably have it. I'm but I'm just curious when you're thinking about entering that space, mm. what was sort of your vision, or where did you feel like there was like either a missing part, or, or where did you sort of imagine your paint line would fit into the sort of the community at large of, of paint brands? Going into it, to be honest with you, that wasn't really. Um, I mean, the process of how it all started was that we. So Roger and I always did dream of wouldn't it be cool to have our own hobby products, our own range of stuff um, that's all designed for you know, accessibility and just trying to make it as uh, how how we'd want the paints to be. If we were to be able to do things from scratch, what would we want these different colours to do and act like and things. And um, we got approached by this fellow called Bob, who um, most people probably haven't heard of him, uh, but he likely will have worked in running companies that you have been aware of in the past or you've played games off and things and he and a whole host of his um, his colleagues are all they're all industry veterans they all wanted to start a new thing a new company and that's what transatlantic games is um, now they want to um have a range of hobby products themselves and so bob approached us asking if he could license our brand to do these paints and we went oh that sounds exciting like what's um what's the deal and it's like well um, I've got these ideas. I've done paint ranges before. So I don't know if you remember Warzone from years ago. Uh, the paints from that were his work. So, like, I've done paint ranges before and things. But uh, you know, I've got these ideas. You could do a color wheel. What do you think? And we went, well, we'd be interested, but we'd like to be really involved in the paints because if our name's going to be on it, we want to have literally personally approved every single one. Um, and he was delighted with that. And he's like, sure. And so uh, we threw ourselves into it. So um, we essentially envisioned, all right, so... I've, we've got this experience with using acrylic paints all these years and things. What sort of things would we do to make them more user-friendly and um, more accessible? And so the range is based heavily around that. So the colours are all designed with a triad system so that if you're just coming into the range as new and you've got your 
green, for example, um, you know that for that color, there's going to be three, and there's going to be your shadow, your midtone, and your highlight. And you can use these however you like. And in fact, you could use a highlight as the midtone, for example, and use a yellow as a highlight beyond that. Or you could use the dark green as a midtone and use a black as a shadow from that. So you can move around a little bit, but it's very simple to get. Okay, so I know that whatever color I pick, there's going to be a, a variety in that area are all designed to go together. Um, we then went into analyzing, well, we know there's these behaviors about certain paints, like yellow not covering very well, as everyone well knows, yellow is difficult to get smooth surfaces to. So what can we do about that? And because we were working directly with a factory, they would send us samples and we'd say, well, this is what we like, this is what we don't like, um, what can you do about this? And then they'd send us more. And we ended up spending days at the factory where the chemists would be directly doing things to alter the paint to get it to behave in the way we wanted to. And these guys are geniuses. They they can talk to you about um, the <laughs> how paints are made up. And it's all chemical words and stuff. And I, I understand the words as individual words, but I don't understand them in the order they deliver them to me. So it's trying to get your head around, oh, okay, all right, so now you lost me. Uh, but it works. What you just handed to me works, and it does this thing. So what we ended up having was things like uh, a yellow, so a bright, a bright punch of yellow, that covers really well. And it's still yellow, so it's not like it's gonna go over black in one go. You still have to do a few coats of it, like one or two, well, two or three coats of it, but you'll find that they're smoother and they get that strong color quickly. Uh, so everything's based around that core desire of what would I like paints to do if I could change things? This is how it comes out. Yeah, so essentially that's how it fits into the uh, the market. I guess it's just a it's a range of useful a range of useful colors that are all designed to work together and are all designed to behave in a really user friendly way. So if you are looking for a new green and you're like, oh, I've been trying these different ones. This green's really annoying me. Oh, this one doesn't cover very well. You can look at our range and be confident that it's going to apply smoothly and it's going to cover well. Yeah, I think that the triad system is really interesting. I'm a big fan of Reaper paints, which have the triad system. Mm -hmm. And what I found is it's both, it's, it's kind of almost, I want to say paradoxical because in the beginning, it's great for a new painter, right? Because you're like, mm -hmm. I want to paint yellow. What do I do? Take this, mm -hmm. take these three colors. Mm -hmm. But also I think having the triad system also begins to help you in in mixing in between colors because you know specifically mm -hmm. if this is my midtone and this is my highlight, and I put the highlight on and it's a little too stark, let me just mix the two together and then I have the in-between. So even though green mm -hmm. is only giving you a triad is only giving you three colors it's mm -hmm. helping you turn that three colors into six colors because you know specifically they're they're met and they're in a they're in a sequence absolutely yeah absolutely and um it's it just means it's nice and easy to pick what you want and to get those those smooth transitions on things so i ended up using a lot of um so the figures that we did that's part of the kickstarter and all the cloaks and things and the one of the figures is wearing a dress um I was using the colors, as you mentioned there, and suddenly blending them together is a breeze because they're designed to go together. Uh, yeah, I'm really happy we went that way. It was a bit of a headache fitting everything in because we knew the cap was going to be 60 colors. We knew then there's going to be three of each, which means we've got 20 potentials. And when you start considering metallics and um, black and white and your washers and things like that, suddenly you start running out of triads. So it gets difficult to fit everything in, especially when it wants to be, um, uh, you know, a, essentially a foundation of a range going forward. Yeah. Um, so that was quite a challenge, choosing all that. So you mentioned 60 paints, including, you You, mm -hmm. you said you're going to have some washes and some metallics within that yes. 60? There's actually technically 63, 
um, because there were three extra that were Kickstarter stretch goals. So they'll be added to the you know, general release. Those three will get added to it. That was a medium, and there's two versions of blood paint. So one's of quite a bright red. The other one's more of a brown. So the idea is that you put your bright red on first of all, and then you add drops of brown towards the middle of it. So you get a thicker, more congealed blood appearance. Oh, it looks like kind of like dried blood, basically. The yeah, yeah, exactly. Or just darker blood. So if you're having a zombie, nice. for example, you'd paint the, the bright one coming down from his mouth and everything. Then you'd add more of the dark one in around the teeth and everything, and you get a really thick, gross, horrible looking. You know, uh, so that's the intention of that. But yeah, the rest of the range is 60, 60 paints, of which six are washes um, and six are metallics, um, if I remember correctly. Yes, yeah, that's right. And where where is the paint line on the scale of? I'm not sure. I'm not familiar if you've ever done with Reaper, but it's a very thin, like almost mm -hmm. kind of tailored towards a more glazing paint style. And then you have mm -hmm. GW, right, which is a little bit more on the thicker side. You definitely do. I mean, I think you're, you're too thin coats, you know, mm -hmm. uh, and I think Citadel makes a lot of great paints, but it's just you have to be aware of that, that it is a little mm -hmm. bit of a thicker paint. Where mm -hmm. are these falling within that sort of spectrum? So these words, I think, we best described as being like Games Workshop ones, like Citadel ones, but they're not quite the same, which shouldn't be surprising considering my background and what I'm mostly used to. Um, yeah. But if you imagine almost Citadel acrylic paint, but a little bit more um, oily, I suppose, is a way to describe it, and the way it runs over things. So it doesn't okay. just go watery and go out of control or anything like that, but it's um, it's smoother than a Citadel one. So it'll go a bit further, and the, the coverage tends to be stronger as well. Now, it still means you do occasionally have to apply it as two thin coats, right? But um, you'll, you'll see it does have a nice, solid coverage. Um, I, I'd suggest, so there's an off-black color, um, called uh, Death Reaper. Um, so I'd encourage someone trying to paint that over grey and then trying some like Corvus Black next to it. And you'll see what I mean. Um, that quite clearly shows the difference and feel of things. So, yeah, I hope people like it. Everyone who's uh, had a go with them so far does really like the feel of them and the way they behave. I've certainly been enjoying it because I've mostly been using them for everything now. And where are they as far as, like, are they, like... Um the the matteness of it are they are they glossy are they are they more of a matte finish are they somewhere in between or what are we looking at as far as the finish uh, they have a slight satin finish to them uh, okay so they're not they're not complete you know they're, they're matte but not solid matte so they're not really dull they have a little bit of a sheen to them i personally like that because it gives me the option right so that if it mm. comes out too glossy i can just do a dull coat on it right to yep, matte it yep. out but it, i find i'd rather do that than add gloss coat to something mm. so mm -hmm. i kind of like that in the medium like like you say kind of uh in the medium as far as like that satin finish yeah well i've always wanted to my figures to have more of a matte finish to them and I, i'd hate it when they go shiny and i went on quite a quest of trying to find a good matte varnish that was reliable mm -hmm. in the end the one i came to that i found to be the most reliable was from ak interactive and it's their ultra matte varnish and i started using that and it's so matte that it makes your figures go really dull I was like, oh, it's gone too far. <laughs> See, <laughs> you too need much. to try. I, 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 <laughs> I went on this crusade. My, uh, we're, we're brothers mm. in arms. Uh, mm. oh, uh, I can tell this right, uh, <laughs> right away from, the, from the sh our sharps interaction. So mm -hmm. my journey to find the perfect matte sealer went mm -hmm. through many ruined models. Mm -hmm. So, And what I kind of sort of came out on the top is Tester's Lusterless Flat Spray is my That's favorite cool. matte varnish. Uh, it mats it out just this, just barely nice, but it, it gives a nice coverage as far as, uh, to me, spraying my model with a little bit of matte at the end, that mm -hmm. is like my mental, this model is done 
Like I need, mm-hmm. like I have to do it. Uh, just, I can't move on unless I've sealed the model because I know the, like, I'm so like, uh, like, uh, I gotta wash my hands before I touch my miniatures. I'm like, so OCD when it comes to like paint coming off. So yeah, yeah, yeah so, I agree. Um, I understand. <laughs> yeah. So I'll send you, uh, I don't know if they have it in the UK. If not, then, uh, offline I'll, I'll ship you some because it's to me the, the best flat mar- uh, matte varnish on the market. Wow. So, that sounds but, great. Thank you. Yeah, I've made yeah, a note well, of it. Yeah, we'll touch base on that later, but it's 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 pretty sweet. Is that a rattle can, Jeremy? It is a rattle can, and you would say, "Oh, uh, I'm really scared of rattle canning, matting, sealing my model that I just spent all this time on." But I've been using this product since 1999, and I have mm-hmm. never ever had it ruin one model. Period. Wow! Wow! Um, it's a hundred percent. Yeah, it is an amazing product. I love it. It, uh, it's so easy to use. It's a little bit on the more expensive side, but to me, it's like if you're going to seal a model that you spent all this time on, don't mm-hmm. skimp. You know. Mm-hmm. Well, I try to think about that in general on hobby hobby products anyway. I would much rather buy like I have the Red Grass Gaming wet palette, and I know you can make mm-hmm. wet palettes at home, but mm-hmm. I'm just like, you know what? If a company makes a great product, I don't have a problem paying for it. Because oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to be yeah. using it all the time anyway, you know, and hobby mm-hmm. products you interact with on a daily basis. So to me, it's like it's worth it to, to yeah. spend a little bit more and buy a higher end product. Yeah, I agree. It's an investment. And in the scheme of things, you know, a lot of people talk about miniature wargaming is really expensive. And it is when you get into it. But let's say this $100 mm-hmm. army box, I may work on that for three months. So what other thing when you actually do the dollar per hour, it comes out to being where the hobby actually for entertainment costs is really mm. reasonable. Oh, yeah. Because um, you oh, spend yeah. a lot of time. you make friends too, don't you? Oh, you totally. all these connections and things, yeah. Yeah, well, I was, I was really excited to hear about and, and kind of researching and looking up your paints is I think there's a lot of companies that make paint and then you you don't realize you have four different paint lines and then you look into it and they're all made by the same same. Yes, yeah, I mean? yeah. They're totally new. They're, um, as I say, we we spent time with the canvas tool making it, and we were going back and forth adjusting things. And we were told that the the metallic as well. There's something I, I couldn't tell you what they've done. They've done they've tried a new thing, and they're experimenting with it. And this was like a thing they wanted to have a go with, and so they put it into these metallics. And the result is they're um, they're really nice. They're really shiny and vibrant. And um, we've seen people doing tests with them. They don't really. I mean, it's in a bottle when they're sat there, you still have to shake them. But when you put if you smear them, they don't really separate. Um, and they just give really lovely finish to things. So, um, yeah, there's lots of cool stuff like that in there. Lots of really interesting things they've been trying out and that we've been having a go with. Um, yeah. And I was so happy to see that you are uh, in realization that we are in the 21st century and that paint should be in dropper bottles. So. Yes. Yeah, well, we did a, uh, we did a, a cunning ploy on the, uh, the Academy website ages ago. We, put, we were like, oh, what bottle would they be in? We had all these different ideas and well, you know, thoughts and things. And so we just put a poll. What's your favorite sort of bottle? And dropper bottle won by a mile. I'm talking about 99% people went for dropper bottles. So I was like, oh, okay, dropper bottles it is. Forget all the other choices. <laughs> yeah, like when I was still using Citadel, I, I use I still like some Citadel paints, but I've kind of moved on to other things. Um, I like to paint more in thin layers, so that's why Reaper right now. I'm excited to try your paints, but Reaper is up on there just because I don't have to thin much. It just comes super thin. But once you <laughs> go to dropper bottles – like you never go back. Like I took all my GW paints and put them in dropper bottles and just added a little flow aid and an activator, a little metal ball, a stainless steel, you know, it's just, it's so much easier when you're uh, on on your wet palette and you want to put a little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little bit of that. You just drop, 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 drop. Once you try it, you'll never want to go back. 
Yeah, especially true for washes. And they can mix as a thing, too. Totally. Yeah, especially if you mix your paint, you can do a whole gradient. Like, I'll do that sometimes. I'll just put my my ba- my my shadow, my mid, and my highlight, and then just mix them together in the, at the edges. So then I have, like, my whole gradient. Mm-hmm. So, Duncan, um, when I saw the preview for the um, dropper bottles coming out, is that the production cap that they were showing? Is some kind of, like, a triangle thing? Is that something you were involved in? Um, is that supposed to be a benefit, or was that just a production model? So. Oh, you mean the, the wide nozzle at the top of them? Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. kind of like this. Uh, yeah, they were talking about the cap and the way that the um, and the way that the tip of the dropper was. So, yeah, well, we we tried a, a bunch of different bottles and things. In the end, we went with that one um, because we found it was less prone to having it erupting like a volcano at the top of it, you know, making it wide like that. Um, and we thought it just looked a bit different to everyone else's too. So we went along with that one. What is cool about the screw cap is that there's a little plug on the inside top of it. So when you you when you you'll find when you're closing them, um, it gets to a point where it feels there's a slight resistance and suddenly it jumps through that and then stops completely. And that's because this little plug gets sort of sealed down into the top of it um, and, uh, yeah, keeps it all nice and pliable. Oh, very, very nice. Well, I'm looking forward to it. So uh, you mentioned the Kickstarter. Is there Are there still late pledges available or is it in the process right now of just going to retail? Um, it's a, yeah, the Kickstarter's well finished now. Um and all the late pledges are finished. It's uh, currently the guys in the factory are boxing up all the things to be sent out to the Kickstarter. So I believe um, some of the lower pledges have already been sent out. It's because the the big full pledge has a really nice um, like this foam rack where all the paints are put into it and stuff like that. So they're, they're literally putting all the bottles into it now. So people who pledged will be getting theirs very soon. Um, should have been out before now, but it, it turns out that world events. Um, I've been messing things all up over the place for people. And uh, yeah, we weren't immune to it. Even getting raw materials to the factory to make into the color, everything like that was delayed. And so it's held it back till now. But anyway, it's happening now. Things are all together and it's being done. Um, What will be true is that we will be doing an expansion to the range. um, So there will be more paint. So if uh, people want to keep in the loop with that, they should be sure to follow me on social media and you'll see news as it comes out. But yeah, more things will be on the way. Very good, very good. I saw a picture of the uh, rack that they're going to be using in the displays uh, in yeah. the stores, and this is a big picture of Duncan on him. How do you feel? I about know. That? Oh, good lord! I, I didn't know that was going to be there. Sorry, <laughs> it's very strange. Um, that's uh, yeah. That's essentially going to be holding room for future expansion. So my face, I don't think, is going to be on it forever. Um, <laughs> it's really weird. Oh, hey, that's all right. We're excited about that. So speaking of the display and the Kickstarter wrapping up, when do you think uh, this is going to be available for people to pick up in their local friendly hobby shop? Oh, in theory, it should be right after the Kickstarter backers have got their stuff. So Transatlantis already have factories around the place and distribution points. So um, people should be seeing them pretty soon. Um, I think first you'll see them appearing in the UK. And I think North America is just after that, if I remember correctly. But Transatlantis will be the people to ask for direct information about that. Oh, very, very cool. I'm really looking forward to the paints uh, being in the stores (laughs) and people being able to check them out. So Yeah, it uh, won't be long now. I I think you're going to see them in stores over summer. Oh, there you go. Over summer. That's not too far away. So Yeah, yeah. From, From everything I understand of how Transatlantis is distributing it, it's not that far away. So, uh, so yeah, cross your fingers and hopefully nothing else will go crazy wrong in the world and stop us from getting them out. <laughs> there you go. So Asmo Day is a part of this too with the distribution. Is that right? Mm-hmm. That's right. They're going to be handling it in North America. 
Wow, that is fantastic. Well, they've got a great distribution network, so it'll be in stores before you can even. Yeah, they're one of the big boys over here, so that's that's really great news. Yeah, man, it's crazy when when that happened, but (laughs) yeah, but uh, yeah, thank goodness it it just means that more people are going to be able to get hold of them. So, so this is all good. It's just a matter of yeah, getting the Kickstarters to have their stuff first, and then you know the doors open for everything else. Well, as a Kickstarter backer, you know of many many projects, I'm happy to hear that as opposed to the people that <laughs> or Kickstarter backers get it last. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, 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 no. We're we're very. Uh, Roger and I were very particular about making sure the backers get their stuff before anyone else because um, backers are the reason that this was all able to happen. So they deserve to have it first. Uh, we're quite uh, quite stubborn about that. So uh, yeah, I mean, when um, there was uh, oh, what's it? Goober Town, he got some from the Asmodee trade stand um, at. Uh, yeah, he's got a video uh, up. If you uh, yeah yeah mm-hmm. with the new Goober Town hobbies. Uh, yeah. Yes, that wasn't. Uh, we didn't know that was going to happen. Um, I don't think anyone agreed, uh, but it but it did. Um, I know the paints he had weren't necessarily the exact sort that people are going to have in their hands. Those are kind of mm-hmm. preview ones that were sent out. Yeah, so <laughs> that wasn't intended to happen, but um, but it did. And you know, Goob Town's a nice guy, so I hope he enjoyed using. Them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's got one of those YouTube voices that's just like lulls you off to sleep. Yes. So, uh, sometimes when I can't sleep, I watch uh, YouTube painting videos, mm-hmm. and it just like and he's up there because he's got this. Like, if you haven't checked out, he's got a bunch of good to the audience uh, uh, painting tutorials and a couple of good uh, project painting tutorials. Well, he'll paint like a whole project, so mm-hmm. definitely check him his stuff out if you haven't seen it. Mm. Well, cool. Well, we're gonna take a break, uh, and on the other side, we'll come back. We'll do a couple quick sh- shoutouts, and then we'll wrap up the show. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Luke from Luke's APS listening to Countercharge. I'm Ronnie from Manti Games, and you're listening to Countercharge. And we are back. You know, thanks again for coming on the show, uh, Duncan. You know, I wish you all the best through uh, Flanders, Portugal, and Spain on your oh, adventure. Uh, <laughs> no, I really, I really appreciate you coming on the show. You know, this is your second time. And I know our audience, the first time you came on the show, Mark kept it secret from the other hosts of Countercharge, so we had no idea. Oh. That you were going to oh. be on until Mark was like, "Oh yeah, I just finished a little episode. No big deal. It's it's ready. <laughs> it's ready. Just put it on." And it was like, "Oh, who's who's the episode with?" And then we looked, and we were like, "Okay, Mark, you can retire now. Countercharge host." <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 man! I don't, I don't know how to react to this stuff. So we, I mean, um. we just appreciate it, you know. Um, uh, as, as a show, we try to promote not just Kings of War as our favorite game, but we try to promote the. Um, the positive power that the hobby can have in your life and the positive power the hobby can have creating community and fellowship. Mm-hmm. And in watching your videos, I've always gotten that from you is that it's not about the game you play or the models you use or the paints that you use, use two thin coats paints, but it's more yeah. about the experience and the journey that we're taking together. Yeah, that's right. I mean, even when the two thin coats paints are out, uh, we are of course going to use them in our videos, but it doesn't mean we're going to be using only those exclusively and nothing else we're still going to go for whatever the best product is or what we what i would use if i was painting my models that's the sort of thing that we'll be using and it'll be given alternatives you know so we're going to be using doom death black but alternatives will be this 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 you know so it's always going to be that because we're all about just helping people enjoy painting their miniatures that's all our goal is all about um and you'll definitely see that continue as we go forward 
And I mean, I, I picked that up in your, in your videos and that's, and those are the, the, and like uh, we mentioned Goober town, but some of the, the, those are the people I like to follow uh, <laughs> is the people who, who you, I think people can tell when someone is non-authentic. And I think mm -hmm. that like growing up, you can tell that in school, right? With teachers who are passionate about what they're teaching, the, the teachers who are always more authentic and more passionate about the, what they're talking about, those were mm -hmm. always more, more engaging. Mm -hmm. And that's what we've always tried to do on the show is if we like something, we say that we like it. If we don't like something, we'll, we'll say that we don't like it, but, but just try mm -hmm. to be like authentic about yes. what we're talking about. Be authentic within a lens of positivity, but still be authentic. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, yeah, it's important to be yourself with these sorts of things. And um, I would hate to be, uh, well, misleading people about things. I, I feel awful <laughs> doing something like that. Yeah. So, yeah. And so uh, uh, shout outs. Uh, Mark, why don't you go first? Any any shout outs? Of course, Jeremy. First of all, I have to give a shout out to EasyArmy.com. Can you spot Blaster on the page? Uh, if you are trying to get in the firefight, they have firefight up. So you can go in there and monkey around and try to get your uh, force list together. I put my Forge Fathers list together on EasyArmy.com. So I got to give a shout out to that. And of course, just a shout out to everybody out there in After Dark. Um, because I'm getting ready for June 1st, and uh, we're going to be doing our Kings of War uh, painting challenge. So it's 2,300 points, right, Jeremy, that we're going to be doing yeah, so all Mantic models. Yeah, as much as you can. So 2,300 points, it's going to be a Mantic army challenge to try to support Mantic. So um, uh, most rules in Mantic uh, for tournaments that have a special bonus prize for all Mantic, it's 90% Mantic. So just obviously try to do as much Mantic as you can, but ideally we're looking at that 90% Mantic, you know, because Mantic doesn't make models for everything, or maybe for your, that one dragon or that one centerpiece you want to use, like a badass 3D printed model or whatever. So just try to shoot for as much Mantic as you can, but definitely um, try to be at that 90% or above uh, benchmark. There you go. I'm shooting for 100% Mantic right now. So we'll and see so is Rob, and a, a lot of us are doing the same thing, trying to do 100%, but I just don't want to uh, stymie people's creativity if they want to go almost full. And in the end, it's your challenge, so you know, do whatever you want. But but the goal is to, to try to um, you know support the game, show that you can you can do Mantic stuff at a, at a high level and try to come up with some ideas. So, yeah, uh, I'm glad you're excited for the project, Mark. I know a lot of people are. Absolutely. I'm going to be doing Rift Forge Orcs, and uh, I just got some more Thunder Seers and um, uh, stuff like that, and I got some Tundra Wolves. I was I thought those were metal. I was happy to see they were in resin. So uh, so I am getting ready for that, and uh, like I said, I'm shooting for 100% Mantic, and I wanted to do Empire of Dust, but the models aren't out yet, and I don't want to be behind the curve. You know my hobby time is limited, so I'm, I'm going to jump off. I'm already in assembly phase, and I have some already primed, so... Nice. So I will be doing Empire of Dust, but but if in the interim, if they're not out yet by the time the project starts, I'm just going to work on my firefight stuff. So it's still Mantic models, right? But it's just, or I may do, uh, um, I'm painting an Armada, my Armada Dwarf Fleet. So I'll maybe do that. So, But I'll definitely be working on something Mantic related while we're waiting for the Empire of Dust um, refresh. So I'll be I'll be working on that. Um, shout out, yeah, shout outs to the uh, After Dark crew uh we've been having a bunch of great painting sessions every night on after dark if you want uh the discord link for after dark just post uh in the facebook in the countercharge facebook group and uh we'll get it someone will get it to you or send me a personal uh, uh a pm 
a direct message on Facebook and I will send it to you myself. But we have different rooms on there. We have uh, Universal Battle rooms. So if you guys want to play, if anyone's playing Universal Battle and you you need a chat room, feel free to use the Universal Battle chat rooms on the Countercharged Discord page. Uh, and then also, too, there's a bunch of chat channels on the Discord page. Uh, we have some region channels. We have a, a the Midwest has a region channel on there. West Coast has a, a region channel. So if you want to start getting some local stuff in your hobby and you're wanting to join a Discord that already has some people, uh, a, a good community going, feel free to message us. We're happy to have anyone on the show, uh, anyone uh, on the Discord channel. Um, I know Rob's on his way to a tournament this morning, so good luck to uh, people at the Kansas City GT, which by the time this comes out will be done and dusted. Rose City Rumble is this weekend, too, that will be done and dusted by the time this comes out. And then we're just on the home stretch to the U.S. Masters, which is going to be in Seattle this year. Uh, so make sure Rob and myself will be there. We'll have our live uh, in-person recording studio set up. So we'll be bringing you a ton of coverage from the U.S. Masters. Uh, so make sure you just stay stay tuned for that stuff. Um, what about you, Duncan? You have any shout outs? Yeah, I'd like to uh, to well shout out to our members, um, all the lovely people who um, support us and allow us to feed ourselves and look after families and things, and also to all the backers of the Kickstarters too, who supported us and believed us and had faith to um, well to trust that we deliver some good paints and i really hope that when you get them in your hands you'll really like them um as far as members go there's uh, there's one that came to mind who is mal havoc on our forum who um is still fairly new to the hobby and has mostly been doing star wars legion but i have to say every time he posts some of his miniatures they are amazing in the progression that he's made and how quickly he's been doing it in particular painting the eyes and getting the eyes to look the same direction um it's really impressive so i always enjoy seeing his stuff Awesome. Yeah, those eyes are always a tough one, right? When you're first getting into it. Oh, yeah. So. Oh, yeah. The fried egg eyes and all that kind of stuff. Uh -huh. yeah, uh, the propane, pro painted, pro painted right. eyes. When they're That's looking right. at the exact opposite directions. Uh, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But if you get it right, it looks so atmospheric, doesn't it? Really. Yeah, it does. Totally character. does. Yeah, yeah. Well, thanks again. I really appreciate you coming on the show. You're always welcome to come back on the counter charge anytime. Uh, hopefully we'll, you know, maybe check get, do another check-in with you uh, next year, maybe see in a few months, see what you're up to. But again, I just, uh, from Mark and I, and from the rest of the hosts of counter charge, just thank you very much for coming on the show. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you for having me. It's, uh, it's been a delight to chat to you, uh, chat to you guys. Well, awesome, Duncan. Um, why don't you go ahead and take us out? Yeah, absolutely. Remember, everybody, uh, be sure to keep countercharging. And if someone countercharges you, you countercharge them right back. It just makes sense. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time on Countercharge. Please let us know what you thought of the show by emailing us at counterchargepodcast at gmail.com, on Twitter at countercharge15, or by commenting on the Countercharge Kings of War podcast Facebook group. If you enjoy the show, you can help others find out about it by leaving positive reviews on iTunes. Until next time, keep countercharging. Music is a composition of Kevin McLeod and is licensed under Creative Commons.